I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, people, it's going off track. Stephen, Brad, and Jonah. Hello. And Jonah. Right on. Change your name? No, just it's it's still Jonah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Today's guest is Mr. Mike Weeby from. I'm going to try it, and Jonah's going to correct me. Whoever I missed, Riverboat Gamblers, Ghost Knife, High Tension Wires. He just started another one. It's another band he's doing. I can't remember it. Is he doing another band with? Yeah. Um, Mark that Mark Ryan from the Marked Men. Maybe. I'm not sure. Mike is in so many bands with so many awesome people. And they're all good. That's the annoying thing. It is annoying because it gets overwhelming. Yeah, he's like the, he's like the Bob Pollard of but, uh, Austin. But I will say, um, and I think I say this during the podcast a hundred times, the latest Riverboat Gamblers record, The Wolfie Feed, is so awesome. And mm-hmm. I still listen to it all the time. And the recording, the songs, just everything about it is so incredible. And I don't understand why, like... It isn't as big as like the White Stripes or something. I honestly don't get it. it. It's very confusing with this band. Ever since I first heard them, I've been a fan. Ever since I first saw Mike just standing, I've been a fan. And I am so incensed that this is one of the interviews that I was not here for. Yeah, yeah. Stephen couldn't be here, sadly. <gasps> um, but, but we talked about you. You were very missed. Um, but Mike is also a comedian, so it's kind of cool to have someone who kind of walks both those worlds that we cover on the podcast. It's basically two-in-one for our show. It's basically two-in-one, um, and hopefully we can get Mike back to co-host or hang out soon because he is a great friend and an amazing musician, and you should check out all of his bands. Yeah, right fucking now. So, ladies and gentlemen, Mike fucking Weeby. It's going on track! So, ladies and gentlemen, today on Going Off Track, our guest is Mike Weeby. Hello. You may know Mike from his bands, The Riverboat Gamblers, High Tension Wires, Ghost Knife, Ghost Knife, um, his amazing stand-up comedy. Oh, I wouldn't <laughs> go that far, but wow. <laughs> and uh, Stephen is so upset he's not uh, here. He has never wanted to be at a podcast more yeah. and had a scheduling That's problem. That's such a bummer. And he is so much more bummed than I'm you could bummed, ever just be. Just because I, I, I always. I I don't think I've got to hang out with him since um, we were at the same show in Austin where... Uh, sorry, turn off my phone. No, don't worry. Oh, about. I just got a text. It says, what's Jonah wearing? <laughs> is it from Steven? I think it is. Yeah. I, I hope it is. Yeah. I actually hope it isn't. 
I'm writing to him. I'm writing to him. High heels and a smile. Um, but uh, he, by the way, he just texted me. Does Mike smell sexy? <laughs> and uh, how's that? I'm I'm excited I to think, hear what this I mean, answer is going to be. I on think this. he smelled pretty sexy. I'm going to send him back a a syringe emoji. <laughs> My go-to. <laughs> I need bloody to get... syringe. Um, but me and Steven were at the infamous. Uh, screeching Weasel show in Austin, Texas, at South by Southwest. And we're like, "Hey, it's so good to see you!" And we were both like really excited. I think he said he'd never seen Screeching Weasel either, and I'd never seen him before. We were both like super excited. And then it, you know, I was like, "Okay, cool, they're playing now." And then a couple songs in, like Ben Weasel just started like moaning and complaining about South by and going on and on about how it's like this sucks. I don't want to be here. And it's like. Dude, come on. You're in your 40s. You know what South by is. You didn't get tricked into that. And then, and then he got, I don't know, like you guys remember, he got in a fight. Like He, he hit like two know, girls two, or something. He hit two girls. Yeah. And I was just like, ugh. And then it was just kind of immediate beat of like, hey, so what have you been up to? Like, just, <laughs> I've never been like so excited and then so just completely disinterested. Yeah, yeah. At the same time. That's really funny. And we hung out, I guess, in Austin last summer. Yeah. Was that last summer? Wow. Yeah. I rode down with two of my friends in a... Miniature school bus painted like a turtle. Yeah. <laughs> Solving mysteries. Solving mysteries. And fighting crime all and across the USA. Ended up at that fancy beer that place scene, a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think I've ever been back there since. Yeah. It, doesn't, it wasn't the kind of we place that we normally hang out. We burned that effort down. <laughs> can um, I say effort? <laughs> yes. You can say whatever you okay. want. And uh, I want to start off by saying your last record, The Wolf You Feed, I still listen to it all oh. the time. It is... Thank you. Have you. It is so amazingly good. Thanks, man. I wish there was a couple million more people that felt <laughs> like you do. I mean, are you super proud of that? Yeah, I'm. I really, you know, I really, really am. Um, it's my favorite thing that 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 band's ever done, for sure. Like, I'm super happy with how it went. I feel like we learned a whole lot writing it and recording it, and uh, I can't. I'm. I'm hoping. I'm hoping the same mojo, and if whenever we start getting to like writing a new thing, I hope the same magic and whatever mojo goes into that. You know, the next record. I hope so. Yeah. I don't know. It's kind of weird though. Yeah, I don't know. Like records are weird. You just kind of like pulling, grabbing into the air for stuff, and kind of trying to make it come together. And there's all kinds of stuff that's just kind of happens sometimes and sometimes doesn't but i'm i'm i love that one it's my favorite one we've ever done for sure and what i really like about it also is you know a lot of my favorite art kind of tends to be kind of darker in a sense and i feel like song like comedians like such a great song obviously but like super dark at the oh, same yeah. point, time yeah. i mean could you talk a little bit obviously you do comedy yeah i mean how did that song come about I mean, as far as that, I think I, I think that like writing that song was kind of before I'd really started doing it. I was more just like hanging out with comics more often, and it was just kind of like a neat. I I, I like for the longest time I only hung out with not with musicians, not and not out of like. I mean, I have friends that weren't musicians, but that's just kind of your core group of people because you're that's kind of what you do, and you work in bars that everybody's a. A musician, and then I just kind of like made a couple comic friends for whatever reason, and kind of started hanging out. It was like it was a funny thing. It was like with musicians, everybody, guys in the music scene, everybody's kind of dressed the same exactly. But I always liked like hanging out with comedians. There was like a 
cowboy dude, and like, uh, and just like, but everybody has the same mindset. But they're like, it was cool to hang out with people that like had absolutely no reference of like punk rock, which is a weird thing to think is cool because that's pretty much everywhere in Los. But I live in Austin, Texas, so it's pretty much it's such like a. You just, the bubble, I kind of think I'd found myself in the bubble so long of like, everybody here kind of is the same. So it was nice to start hanging out with this kind of crew. And it was everybody that was kind of like, hey, we wear our feelings on our sleeves and want to talk about why we're so sad all the time, constantly. <laughs> and it was, and I think I was probably the more annoying person that did that within my scene of like music people. So it was really nice to go, like, we all do this all the time? This is great. This is awesome. Let's go. No, let's go deeper. <laughs> And it's only lunch. <laughs> but yeah, everybody, you know, it's just, I think, the, I mean, that song is kind of saying like, hey, let's get on stage and go all out and nobody, not that many people care. Which I think is for most performers, I think you probably have felt that at one time, you know, or another. Whether it's comedy or music or whatever, where you're like, God, I'm slugging it out. I'm putting so much work into this and... Does anybody care? I got one laugh, maybe. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like, there's one guy that came up and said good set about, like, you know, musically, or you just, you know, like, it's, it's, I don't know, it's tough sometimes where you're just like, why am I doing this? What sort of keeps you going, I guess? Oh, I don't, now it's just, just, I'm institutionalized. (laughs) I'm like a guy that's been in prison too long. Um, I think just... I mean, it's just, you know, at the end of the day, like, I think you just kind of, that's just, I mean, at this point, it's just that that's what I do. Like, it's, and, it, and when it goes well, it makes you so much more happy than when even, like, all the bad stuff, or I'm just really forgetful and just one good thing, I'm yay, after, like, 30 bad things. But I think just, I don't know. I don't know what else to do. Like, the only thing I really like doing, you know, all this, like, performing and writing and stuff like that is the only thing I really enjoy and Maybe it's just I'm. Maybe it's just that I hate the idea of getting a real job so much more than doing all that. I don't. I don't know what it is. I've thought about that before. Like, why can't I just be? Why can't I just? You know, like my brother works at a at a at a place. It's just kind of a place where he does stuff. It's just kind of like logistics or something. And like, why wouldn't I just be happy doing that? He's like, he's got a car that consistently turns on when he. Turns a thing, and he's got a house that like he's got a looks lot of monthly nice. Payments. He's got, yeah, he's got stuff, but it's I don't. And I'm like, why couldn't I just do that and kind of like just be okay with that? And I don't know. It's just like I don't know. I think I, don't, I have no idea why. There's just something deficient. That's like ah, I gotta fall down in front of people, <laughs> or it's just not a well. It's not a day well spent. No, definitely. Is there like? Uh, like when you're in a band, there's kind of I wouldn't call it a formula, but there's always like, you, yeah, you, you you sometimes you step into a gig that's in a you know someplace where you've never played before, or with a ba- or you open for a band that's too big and nobody cares about you. Yeah, but then you always have your like. Safe that's the weird thing gigs. too. That's that was definitely something to learning over the time where you're just like, yeah, we're opening for you know whatever band, and there's gonna be a lot of people there. Right. This is gonna be great, and, it's and then sometimes it's sometimes gig. it's worse when like. There's just this huge crowd that does not care. And in some ways, that's even worse than, like, getting heckled or, like, a comedy crowd that hates you or a music crowd that hates you. It's, like, when they just don't care. Yeah, no reaction. It's, like, the worst, worst. like, ah. 
But like, but in that instance, you know, you might be up there at Roseland, where which is the gig for me that was just yeah. terrible. And uh, who was it opening for? For Offspring. Oh yeah. And you know what? Because they kind of pushed into that major. Yeah, they were huge. Major that this kind like, of radio world. Like that's I think that's ago. when we found that too is when it's a band that's more either when it's like oh, yeah, a, just, a full on radio band or when it's like um sometimes when it's a band that's like legendary and like when we were opening for like X and Rollins, we were like I mean it was like personally it was like an amazing tour, but a lot of those audiences were like we could have been curing cancer on stage and they would have been like, Play Los Angeles, you know, yeah. like get off the stage so we can See Rollins. Yeah, that's a pretty was... specific Rollins. Yeah, very. Yeah, spe- yeah, I was in a band that got kicked off a Rollins tour. Really? Yeah. What so. happened? <laughs> Come on, man! You can't. It's not my that. podcast. <laughs> I want to hear though. <laughs> uh, it was terrible. You really want me to? Just... Yeah, I yes, want to hear because then I'll tell you how. I would like to say that Rollins looked up and realized that you know our lead singer had a vagina. And that was the reason, because honestly, it was the most homophobic experience I've ever encountered was a room full of dudes, yeah. fully 100. You know, you go to shows where it's like, okay, there's like, there's 400 dudes in here, but there's like, there's 14 girls. There was no women at the Rollins shows that we Yeah, had. yeah. And like, then he came, he, he got in the shower before he came out in gym shorts. Yeah. So he came running out in front of his bros, soaking fucking wet. Yeah. In shorts, and I just—that's not why we got kicked off. But we didn't. Um, we weren't too upset that we got kicked off. I, I think we got we got kicked off. We got into it with part. He had, he had a really his crew was really. He had this crew that thought they were on tour with you know like Kanye West or something. Yeah, yeah. And like. We didn't get along with the crew at all, and then we had some like little punk rock kids in Philly that came backstage and stole beer out of his dressing room when they were hanging out with us. And yeah. It was a bad deal. <laughs> we, we had a pretty good experience. I'm worried that we was the other... I'm worried we might have helped break up the Rollins band because it was the last tour they ever did. And, um, and, they, and they were so... I mean, like, they were very mellow, except for uh, their drummer, Sim, who's like a great guy. Right. And he likes to party. And, and the band that my band they enjoy such things as well and uh and at some point like he would start foregoing traveling on their tour bus with his own <laughs> bunk see he would go spend the night and tour with us in our van <laughs> in our cramped van and right. sleep on floors really? in the hotel room because he wanted to party and and he found you know a crew of people that were like more than you know more than willing to do that <laughs> and uh and then this and we got into some at some there was some show and he i don't we i don't know if there was some weird pills and <laughs> i remember i took like a little piece of wa- a piece of a pill like it wasn't even and like the next and just it was just i don't know the next like 24 hours or a complete blur and he i just remember him going like i took five and like <laughs> he took a bunch and then the next day we played this and it was a really horrible show in um man somewhere weird up like poughkeepsie or something Dude, and this like is where we were touring with him man <laughs> 
It was this is it, literally like Poughkeepsie yeah, yeah. in like upstate New York. And we just like <laughs> it was the we like and he had a really rough sh- when I had a really rough, it was just, and it was just like pill hangover where it was just like everything it wasn't like a it was the weirdest hangover ever <laughs> and we were just uh, and I know he got a talking to and I know it was just like there was some weird stuff in the camp and I think both me and him were kind of walking around like little and You were to blame though. I I I I felt I felt like maybe they was looked at it upon as like we were like giving him bad influence. Yeah, that we were like a bad influence <laughs> or something like that. But he was I mean, I it was weird cuz we were out for like a month and I never really I didn't speak to him very much just cuz he and I wish I would have. I think if it would have been fine, I just should, should have got a couple times I would like, "Hey, what about that Misfits cuz he's such like a music like encyclopedia." Right. And I go, "What about that like Misfits thing that never came out? I heard that you knew about or something." And he would talk about it but he just always seems so intense i mean he was intense but oh, he yeah. always seems so like not it never seemed like a good time to talk to him and i wish i would have just been like gotten over like being intimidated and and because he was always cool when he did but i remember the first night at one point i needed to go to the van and he was like doing like crazy like punching the air tai chi kind of stuff and i didn't it was like a video game it was like this long hallway and i just kept seeing him pace back and forth by this door and it was like a a video game where i was i had to figure out the right time to jump over the river before the alligator bites you or something it was just like ah dude i can totally relate that is so funny he's in good shape he's in good shape yeah he looks healthy. He was like he was his forty mid forties at the time. I think he said he was forty five or forty six, and he was ripped. Yeah, like me. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, you work out too? That's what I would say to him. <laughs> How many reps? Oh man, reps. So many reps with that dude. I bet. Yeah. Or reps. Or maybe just a lot really heavy stuff a couple times. I don't know. I I know nothing about working out. Yeah, <laughs> just reps. But one one time, uh, he uh, he uh, we like there was some venue and they didn't have any uh, like food for us and there wasn't a buyout and it was some deal and you know everybody was like, oh man, this sucks. Like we can't eat or whatever. And uh, it was a problem, and we weren't like making a because f- we were just like, eh, we don't belong here, or anything. And it was, and then uh, all of a sudden there was a knock at the door, and it was Henry Rollins with a big tray of food. He was like, hey, you, you guys, this is you, you, you make sure you you come tell me if there's not food ever really? again on the rest of this tour. Yeah, that's cool. That's yeah, good. super yeah. cool. That's awesome. I, yeah, I never got a chance to talk to him. I just I was not impressed by his crew, and I mean, yeah, there was also I remember. <laughs> It was also I keep remembering things now, but the first night that we were out with them, they told us, you know, we we were literally just coming off of like rancid, like yeah, tours. like we were all involved in that and like that kind of scene and you know seven dollar t shirts and stuff. yeah yeah and like all of a sudden the manager's saying like our Rollins shirts are forty dollars and you can't sell your shirts yeah, for, yeah. for less than forty and like like are you kidding like there's not look at the there's not even anybody here to see us yeah yeah nobody's yeah. gonna buy our shirts and so like. I just said, you know, to the singer, I'm like, nobody's going to buy our shirts anyway. I go, just go out there and, and give a, throw a bunch into the audience. Yeah. <laughs> and so she goes, they won't let us sell our shirts for $12 like we usually do, so we're just going to give them away. And she threw, like, half a dozen shirts out into the audience. And I don't know. And all of those people impressed. would have bought Rollins shirts exactly. if they didn't get those shirts for free. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. 
Yeah, it was a bad experience, but I just I think mainly he was probably not even aware of it. So. Probably not. That's uh, I've yeah. I've found that a number of times that like like there's bands that like are at that level at that time or whatever that they they need an ass. It's probably for the most part it's good that they have an asshole yeah. tour manager type person handler to take care of all the things that you need an asshole to take care of. And it's just unfortunate when it trickles down to the the stuff that it's really bad that that the person's an yeah, asshole. Yeah, because it reflects terrible on the artist. Yeah, you know? it's yeah the asshole tour manager who told us as we pulled into the to sound check that we weren't playing that night, rather than you know, yeah, rather than ahead. telling us like whenever they had to wait until yeah. we were traveling. Yeah, we've been out with. He the- was an asshole. Yeah, <laughs> I won't say his name. <laughs> Look it up. 1996 or 97. <laughs> Rollins tour <Stewart> manager. <laughs> Easy information to find. I believe he had a British accent. That helps. <laughs> That's, there's a lot of, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what have you been focusing on music lately or comedy or kind it's of both? kind of a or? bad mix of both. Yeah. Uh, like, I mean, it, like, I always wonder, like, I... If I should just do one and one band for the whole, but it always feels like I always just feel like I should fill up all my time with with different things. And um, but uh, yeah, Gamblers have been uh, a record came out a year ago, and the uh, label disappeared about a month ago. <laughs> uh, but so we've been kind of dealing with that. But yeah, you know we toured on that for uh, as much as we could for a year and then and then i've been recording with some new projects with uh ghost knife and uh i've got a new me and one of the guys from rise against have a new project that just started recording yesterday uh called dracula's which guy from rise against? uh zach blair nice yeah it's me and zach blair and some of the gamblers guys um it's kind of be a concept record um, but I don't know. I just feel like if I'm not like working on something that it's, I don't know that I'm, it's bad. I don't know. I'll just go and start drinking or I don't know. It's just going to, everything will fall apart unless I'm, my hands stay busy working on something. So like, um, uh, yeah, this year has been kind of just a weird mix of, of everything, you know, like I get a, a band thing for a week and then, you know, go on tour and then work on comedy for a couple of weeks and then, you know, whatever. So just kind of going back and forth, which sometimes it sucks because it feels like nothing's quite getting done because you kind of get some momentum on a thing and move to another. But I don't know the stuff with, you know, with band stuff, the, I think the hardest thing about being in a band is like everybody's kind of. In it, at least in any band I've been, everybody's kind of operating and into it at a different rate or level. And there's always, you know, something personally going on with a member of a of a band, like somebody's got whatever going on in their personal lives. And you can kind of cajole everybody to being in the same, you know, in the same boat that's moving on this river at the same time. But there's always some point that, like, if you try and push somebody, push everybody too hard, it just kind of, like, disrupts and implodes or explodes or something like that so i don't know 
You know, it's kind of hard to, I try and push as much as I can. And then sometimes I feel like I'm pushing everybody too far and like, okay, I'm going to back off and go work on this while you guys, while we all catch up. Is it nice to have the comedy in the sense though, that you can work on it yourself whenever you feel like it and not have to coordinate with five people yeah, with different schedules? Yeah, I mean, easily the best thing about it. And, uh, and that you don't have to lift anything heavy <laughs> when you go into and from a show. But I, I feel like, the I mean, the hard thing with that is I've been doing music for like, I don't know, 12, 15 years or something on some capacity. And I've there's like a certain competence that I have with that. And I just don't have it with comedy. It's still like, I still, I'm failing more than I am succeeding, I think, you know, which a lot of people are like, you're on the right path. Like you're doing fine or whatever, like... But God, it hurts so much, and sometimes it's so frustrating. Like I want to be really good now, but I think that that's good. Like I think those types of humbling experiences are good. Yeah. Like I feel like it's good to get out of that zone. And yeah, kind of experience. But yeah, like, to just keep sticking with it. Yeah. In theory, tough, I agree. But <laughs> after a really yeah, yeah. bad set, yeah, it's I, easy for me I to disagree. say. By the way, when yeah. you're doing it, no, no, and I, 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 I see how it is in the big picture. But sometimes I just come home so frustrated, and I'll just uh, complain to like comic buddies and like that's part of it just just buckle in and accept that it sucks right now sometimes when you have a bad night but i want to be good now no pain no gain well i'd imagine (laughs) have you had any like crazy heckler experiences Nah, not, not so too much. bad and actually i usually have fun with that like yeah. I usually i've that's usually kind of like a bit i'm not i don't want anybody to do that but like that's usually the the ones that i have 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 been so softball that it's been kind of nice like i've been able to like play with it but i've seen people like the it's you know they've been the people that are like just kind of trying to help and it's not very good and they kind of throw as opposed to the drunk people that are just like annoying and incoherent it's just like somebody take care of this (laughs) but yeah so and it's i don't know i'm sure i'll get Hopefully, not too much, but I'm sure I'll get one of those at some point. It's just like, this ruined my night, drunk guy. (laughs) I feel like I've accrued a lot of... uh, I have to have some kind of good karma because I feel like most of my life is dealing with drunk people on some level where it's shows or working in bars or anything like that or guys in the band. (laughs) Just (laughs) dealing with drunk people is most of my... Most of my evenings, for the You've most part. You've also gotten probably a lot of laughs from people who are drunk, who might have been too reserved otherwise yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. So. I mean, a couple drinks are are good to loosen up, but people go real far. People do go far. It's Austin, too, so people are extremely often going too far, <laughs> drinking-wise. How long have you been in Austin for? I was thinking, I think, 10 years now. I was trying to figure it out the other day been about 10 years or so and but even when we were living in denton which is like four hours north of austin we were still like the the three or four years before we moved i feel like we were going to austin like at least once a month like one weekend a month if not more so it was already kind of feeling like home but it's a weird it's a weird spot now that i've been in austin for so long like the bubbles so thick and it's so like it's Texas, but it's everybody's, you know, everybody's got a tattoo and, you know, everybody smokes pot and there's, they've got 
a dog that's named after the Kerouac <laughs> character or something. Right. To me, is it's like Berlin, you know? Like yeah, it you is. drive in through like hell to get to yeah to this yeah. mecca of kind of like decadence and art. And- it is. It's weird. <laughs> and then you and so and I'll forget. Like I'll just be there. Either I'm there or I'm completely out of you know Texas. Right. And then I'll go spend time like in in Dallas or something. Right. And you're like, oh, this is Texas. Like big hair and every billboard is about not killing babies and saving your soul and stuff and just like oh and just kind of like and you know i've i i look i'm abnormal because i'm not covered in tattoos to be in austin but just then like still and so i feel kind of square looking all the time but then like to walk into a place in like east texas and go like wow i'm a freak and people are looking at me like i'm you know worship satan or something on the way in well the funny thing is in places like that when you you think that you can acclimate, you know, like I've gone back to places. I mean, yeah, I spent the 90s touring in punk rock bands with purple hair and f- intentionally looking like. A yeah, thing. yeah. But then now that I'm I'm a dad and I'm yeah. a grown up and like I'll go back to places like that and think like, dude, I've got my Levi's on and my Converse yeah. and like I'm and people still pick you out. man. Yeah. And it's not just because you're a Yankee or whatever. It's like. I don't know what I don't know what it is. There's yeah, something yeah. that you have on, or your hairstyle, or your smell. I feel like it's the <laughs> crippling insecurity I project. It's yeah. just there's just some little thing about maybe the way you're wearing your your t-shirts too tight or something. Some somehow they pick you out, man. Somehow <laughs> the soundtrack of life is an ex- eternally screeching record player. Whenever you walk in anywhere, just a scream. <laughs> Every single place, and I, I, yeah, it's weird. It's such a weird thing. I don't know. I don't know what it is, and I feel like I, I really look more. I look the most normal I've ever looked in my life, but I still somehow it you feel awkward and weird in places. It's probably good. You yeah, know, the minute you start to acclimate and feel comfortable there, it's not a good sign. Yeah, <laughs> totally. What's, when you meet someone who's moved there, though, like having been there so long, are you sort of like? I feel like I would get so inherently jaded. Like, oh, you moved to this cool place I've been for ten years. Like, great, another. Another one. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) God. (laughs) No, I don't, I don't, you know, if it's somebody You're a better person than I'm. I'm, Yeah, yeah, I'm a great person. I can tell. (laughs) No, it is weird, though, because it's like, even in the 10 years that I've been in Austin, like, it's kind of changing from, like, that kind of bohemian art, like, I don't know, man, we'll just work enough to pay for, you know, whatever like the practice space and you know and get pot or whatever like it's but now it's like every there's these giant like mega condo plexes coming up and there's this whole thing of like it's you know south by southwest is such this like music industry like game changer like it's this weird you know like flag of of like what's going on in music and it's this very hip thing that everybody goes to and i think like austin like drew all these like young hip people in and it's like this is the hip cool place to be so all these people started moving to austin they started creating these giant you know like rich person condo rich for austin anyway like condo megaplexes and then it started going like well you know people aren't wanting to buy these condos because of this loud music everywhere (laughs) and they started like you know like the price went up on everything and they started like making these uh like noise control things so you have to be quiet sooner oh really and so it's driving out all the people that made the place a desirable place right. in the first I mean and it's not this huge like mass exodus or anything like that but it's definitely going to happen I mean you can't like 
it's getting harder and harder to like kind of just make it by so you can work on your band or your screen print or your whatever all day um it's getting and it's pushing everyone further and further out to where it's more of a pain to do to do all those things and it's that's the weird that's the frustrating thing about it it's like i don't mind more people there it's just that it's more rich people and it's making the money making it harder to live and do art for a living yeah i mean i've been here i've been in new york over 20 years and you know i used to live in the east village when it was cool man okay but it was that was what you know that was what happened you had this like little community i'm sure there's old timers older than me that'll tell you that i you know i missed the heyday but yeah but that's what it was was there was an area this was where everybody went to you know when you moved to new york you tried to get an apartment in the east village you know yeah. like if, if you couldn't you got whatever brooklyn or someplace but yeah. like that's where that's where like the venues were and that's where the artists were and then and then because of that yeah you had the gentrification of people that were drawn there because it was a scene but then couldn't tolerate it yeah you know like complaining about the I, I remember there was a, somebody who there was uh, this woman on on uh, on St. Mark's right above Coney Island High who used to come down and complain to the doorman at Coney Island High about the music like and St. Mark's this is St. Mark's between third and second which has yeah. always been yeah, the yeah. mall of rock yeah, you know? like yeah. there's never been a time when you, when you when it wasn't noisy all night long yeah and so like. And but you see, you would see it with people would move to these neighborhoods and then get upset by the fact that there was a fucking junkie down the block or that the music was too loud. Yeah. Um, and now it's happening over here. You know, I hear yeah, it from yeah. the, the locals of Williamsburg how like tell me about it, man. Know, the other side of the bridge here, man. The other side of the highway is you know sort of Williamsburg proper. It's not even affordable now for yeah. Even Greenpoint, Greenpoint, they're building all these condos and it's getting. But yeah, the most deal. frustrating thing is that. It's okay that there's a new frontier, but yeah, but when it dilutes yeah. that community, it sucks because yeah. the East Village was very small, smaller than like the Greenpoint community, I think, and I mean, and Williamsburg communities. So like, it was really cool to have basically our equivalent of you know Mayberry RFD, but it Avenue happens. A. Like, yeah, you migrate somewhere else and you know start the process over. I guess yeah. right. I mean, yeah, change is good, but it does. I think. There becomes a danger of diluting that, like, you know, diluting it. I think it's it's already even Williamsburg didn't substitute completely for what probably the East Village had been at one point. You know. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know what's going to happen. In but it's Austin just sad to hear that. that it's like, happening I mean, because the Austin. whole foundation of Austin is so like, this is what we are, right. and they're just like actively come here. The city's like come here because this is what it is, and it's just actively destroying what it is, and it's such a weird snake eating its own tail. I don't what? know. I don't know what's going to happen. There's probably a higher percentage because it's a it's a small city, so there's even yeah, it's probably a way higher percentage of those artists and musicians there than there are here. You know? Yeah. Definitely, definitely. There's a lot of people that have... I think Austin kind of just like, it's this little (laughs) magnet for all the, you know, people that don't fit in in the rest of Texas and Oklahoma and Arkansas and New Mexico. Like if you just kind of trip people or that people that didn't fit in and in those towns because they look however they're, you know, or into whatever and that's, it just kind of like sucks them all in. Um, but I don't know what this is going to happen, where it's going to go after that. I don't know. It's weird. 
Um, Did you grow up in Denton? I grew up in Denton, and Denton's kind of a micro, micro Austin. There's this little music school there, and there was a there was a really cool scene. Like, and we were there was a house show scene, and we would do um, this is like the, like ninety. 95-ish, like, I went to college for a little bit and came back, and I started playing music in, like, 95, and, uh, and we were doing these house shows, and, like, bands, like, like, when the first, like, four years, it was, like, At the Drive-In and Jimmy Eat World and bands from Japan and Sweden and stuff like that were all coming through and playing these house shows, and, um, that's how, like, not, I mean, The Gamblers started a little while afterwards, but, like, that's how, like, I mean, we would play a show, like, every week or every two weeks or so because there was just all these bands coming through and we were putting the shows together and all that. So that's kind of a weird thing when, like, like younger people are like, how do you get started doing bands? I'm like, I don't, especially in a city like Austin where there is, it's kind of competitive to, like, get club shows and stuff like that. And it's harder to set up, like, house shows because of noise stuff. Um, I don't, I don't know, I don't know how you would do it. Like, it kind of set up a weird thing as like, I don't know how you would do it if you're starting something now, and I don't know, I don't, like, it didn't make me very, uh, savvy business-wise, because you're like, whatever, man. Cool, we're gonna pass around a bucket and give all the money to you. And then when we started touring, it was like, it was kind of weird to, like, have to deal with businessy kind of stuff, and just, I'm still learning business stuff. Like, I don't know, I don't, I'm not very good with marketing or money or business or any of it with music stuff and it's that hard thing of like i'm really trying to learn how to do all of that better and it's just coming incredibly slowly no you can't do everything yeah you just need to know enough not to get ripped off yeah we've learned that the hard way a few times (laughs) it is that you know i was listening to that uh that Fred Armisen interview that you guys did and uh just like it's weird being at that point with like with like Volcom Gar labels gone now and getting a little bit older and you've kind of been at this like you know this like plateau for a little while and trying to figure out how to knock it out how to take up a step and that's like it's a weird problem that i didn't really you don't really ever consider having when your band is younger because you're just like all right just keep going keep going and just kind of getting to that point of going all right we've been here for a while how do we do this better and that's kind of which kind of goes into the whole like doing other stuff doing other bands and doing comedy just because it's like well this is you know even if we're all on the same page and we're doing the best we can we've kind of been here for and i don't know what to do to make it bigger and better other than you know just keep writing and try to write the best songs that you can but that doesn't necessarily mean anything like there's so much like that has to do in music that just has to do with luck and timing and that's all there is to it you know and you can just keep writing the best songs you can and and that you're happy with but beyond that it's kind of like kind of the weird fates and the universes and that one random person going this is the thing i like and it opens a door so but i don't know yeah we've been kind of dealing with that where it's like i don't know what the next thing to do is you know as far as like business wise and move to me and how to how to be uh i don't know how to be a band in your late 30s and stuff well, like you, that. you know you were saying you shouldn't have to you shouldn't have to push 
you know, everybody should be kind of, I think yeah. that's why bands, you know, before they get found or, you know, before they get signed or whatever, like there's this all for one, one for all the struggle, you know, it's like yeah, uphill yeah. struggle. And then like if it plateaus or it doesn't happen or whatever, yeah, yeah what, like it's really easy to stay united when you have a foe and the foe, yeah. the foe is like getting discovered or like yeah, yeah. getting found and like then sometimes i mean that happens and and then the band falls apart yeah i can testify to that and, yeah you know and because suddenly you get there and you're like fuck and now we have to really start working yeah you know, yeah yeah you have to agree you know it was so easy to agree when we had this common goal yeah but uh yeah i, I, I don't know how bands some of these bands do it but the plateau could be as bad as um as failure i guess yeah you know, because you suddenly it's like you're doing it for a while and it's not not nothing's changing yeah it's frustrating it's weird it's weird to see like i know so many bands that like got to where like places that that i've always wanted to get to and where this band's always wanted to get to and then once they got there just yeah. just completely blows apart i don't know exactly what that is so part of me is like well maybe it's good because we keep making and doing stuff and everybody's getting along really well and we have fun doing it and uh you know it's frustrating sometimes when you're like oh, i wish I could make a some more ends meet doing this but still we're really lucky because more you know it's a lot better than a lot of other people but it's weird to see that thing with those those big bands like how come how come you guys couldn't keep it together? Yeah. Like, yeah. you're making so much money. Yeah. People love you. Yeah. Like, you'd never have to play a show to 15 people in, you know, Dayton, Ohio. You don't have to ever have to do that again. That must feel so amazing. <laughs> like, not enough amazing to be in the same room with that fucking yeah. guy for another <laughs> second. It's like, wow. Yeah. It's How like, does that happen? Yeah, it's like you're fight, you're at war with a bunch of guys, and then suddenly the war's over, and you realize that like you hate those guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like you, what? Yeah, you don't have to hang hell? out anymore. I mean, and this kind of segues into something that me and Stephen talk about a lot, specifically with your band. I don't know if you can answer this, but I'm always curious why the Gamblers, I guess, aren't a bigger band, or why yeah. on the commercial level, because I feel like you guys are such an amazing live band. The records are so good, like. And it that just boggles my mind sometimes when you see something it gets big and I don't understand and then I see like a band like you guys or Strike Anywhere or something where yeah. I'm like this band's incredible like and has been for so long like what what's that disconnect I guess do you have any idea I don't know <laughs> I mean you know and it's like I and it, like a, a, a and it's nice because a lot of people have said that you know and it makes me feel like well at least. It wasn't a complete, like... Because there is this scary thing of, like... Um, like, if you've ever seen that movie, uh, Decline of Western Civilization Part Two, The Metal Years, like, whenever they're doing, like, the interviews, there's this one guy that's always, like... Uh, He's always like, well, I don't, I don't have a plan B because, uh, I mean, my band, we're just, we're gonna blow up. I mean, we're, we're, have you, if you have you heard the demos? If you heard the demos, you'd know we're that good. So there's no need for a plan B. And like, it's like I've, I've like, I've it's always like been so scared of being that guy. And I think for a long time, I was really like, I, and I think the band was kind of like a slow burn for, as far as like put the work we were putting into it because I was always just so like, man, if you say that you want to 
do show business for a living. That's just stupid. You always got to have a like a day job backup plan or whatever. And like it just felt it was almost like not punk to admit that you really cared about it and that you wanted to be successful. I always kind of had this like dumb like feeling that I was kind of fighting. And then eventually started doing it uh, to where like okay yeah this is exact this is what I want to do and I'm going to try this as hard as I can. But I, you know, my one theory, I mean, there's definitely some zigzags and some, some things that I'm like, eh, I think maybe we should have done this or we should have done that. I mean, my one theory is that, that we've maybe a little too like rock and roll for the pop punk kids and too pop punk for the rock. Like we've kind of, we don't neatly fit in a genre too much. And I think that maybe kind of hurt us a little bit, um, as far as that. But I don't, I don't know, you know, I don't really have a good reason why it didn't didn't happen. I thank you for saying that. No, but, you're welcome. And like, I'm not saying that, like, commercial success is the definition yeah, of success but, but, at but all. But we never, I, I would be a complete lie to say we weren't, wouldn't enjoy commercial success. Of course. I, I would definitely welcome and appreciate that. <laughs> But it is that weird deal of like, I don't know exactly, you know, and I, I, my only goal with, with all of it is, is like, I was, uh, is to not be bitter about that and to try and enjoy it. And I, and I get, it's, we get frustrated about it for sure. But the main thing is just to not be bitter about it because there's this guy like, uh, that I, I work I work at this bar and this I mean, this one night that nobody was there and this dude came in and he was in a band that like somewhere you know they broke up a couple years ago but they were around a while and definitely had some like success they definitely did well but I think experienced similar stuff and this dude was just he came in and he was wasted and he was just like so bitter about it and wanted me to be on the bitter team like he was just so like man these kids now they don't know shit and we were the best and you know you know you're just you're the same boat and i was just like man i do not want to I, I was just so like i do not want to be you i, I, I do ne i never want to go in drunk to a bar and like why didn't it happen we're so much better and like Oh, it was just, it was gross. It was sad and it was gross. And I was like, man, I just never want to be that. Okay. And we've had like such amazing, cool things happen. It'd be a lie to say that it's not frustrating sometimes, but got to do some awesome stuff that I never, ever thought I would get to do. Be only exclusively because I was actually even thinking that here, like walking around in New York, like I never, as a, I mean, we started touring in like mm, 2002, maybe. Or something like that and i never i probably never would have left texas if it wasn't for like a band and touring and like now i don't even know how many times i've been to new york but i never probably would have gone to new york at all and wouldn't be here now so it's kind of cool to but i wish i had an answer to that question <laughs> and i wish i had a solution to it <laughs> even more than an answer <laughs> What's what's is high tension wires doing anything right now? Or what's uh, the we are, um, I think writing. I guess like that kind of it operates. Each of the bands like really write in different ways and stuff. And the way that band writes is they kind of just give me songs and I sing over them like they're done. And it's kind of cool because I don't get to. They give you music or they give me music. Yeah, it's just you, like you, you and I just do yeah 
like songs and it like if i were in the room there's a bunch of songs that i would probably be more like hey let's make this part longer like you know more choruses or longer bridge or whatever but i can't because it's done so it's kind of a cool it makes me have to think outside of the box and then i'll write songs and send to them or whatever but like we kind of write differently but we just got a song on a the new uh, Grand Theft Auto game, nice. which I'm kind of stoked about. That's very exciting. I mean, that's an exciting thing to to be a part of video games. Well, especially like, that video game. That's yeah, like, yeah. It's kind of like... That's I'll be the one. soundtrack to murdering a hooker, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Life goal. <laughs> Check that off the bucket list. Yeah. <laughs> What's, do you think the Markmen will tour again? I think they're doing some stuff. Are they? Yeah. Yeah, they're definitely... uh, Those guys are... um, They're really busy. A couple of them have a studio now. Oh, really? uh, It's between, like, Fort Worth and Denton. And they're recording bands. And one of them... But they both kind of have... I think they're kind of like... It's like a different kind of frustration for some of those guys. Because they... They kind of, things were kind of happening, and I think before they got to that point of like, okay, we're gonna be a band that tours all the time and does a lot of stuff. Like they just kind of had different life goals, and one of them like, oh, I'm gonna go to Japan, and and now they're back. And like I think you know, it's that weird like absence makes the heart grow fonder. And I think like that's that's the weird thing that I think. When you're a band, sometimes the best thing you can do is break up for a while or faux break up for a while. And then people are like, what? Yep. I can't have them and appreciate I can't not go to their shows because I don't feel like going out that night anymore. Well, now I really want to see them. Yeah, it's and true. It's we talk weirdest, about this all the time. Thing. And it's true because I do feel like a lot of times people be like, I'll see them next time. This yeah. band's always on tour. I'll yeah. see them next time. I'll see them next time as soon as they're gone. It's yeah, take it for granted. They're going to play some giant festival. But I know, you know, like... And it's I I know it's frustrating, you know, when for the thing too, or like, okay, well, this isn't happening. Let's go start our own things, and like, they put all this work into these new bands, and then people are just like, just play your old other <laughs> band or whatever, or like, yeah, or like, or you forget ev- how fucking hard it is to start over with a new yeah. Band. I think that's really what happens. You know, you get into a groove with a bunch of guys and. Yeah, maybe you're not huge, but you know, you've got you're getting paid finally, you got enough money for gas and the van, you get a hotel and then like you don't realize how hard it is just to get to that. Yeah. Like, to that fucking hard point. Just no, to get totally. four people in the room for practice. Yeah. Like, yeah. like is next to impossible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that's it is so difficult. Happen. Scheduling practices is it's just this whole Herculean task that I gotta <laughs> just texts and then dudes that are dudes that you know are on their phone looking at stuff 24 hours a day because you tour them suddenly won't text you back for three hours to go uh can we do it at four (laughs) why won't five work Uh, then you get like 20 minutes later supposed to go to a coffee shop (laughs) god damn it i know it's 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 rock and roll baby (laughs) a bunch of meatheads trying to make music together it's tough (laughs) yeah it's so difficult but when it goes great it's such an amazing thing i agree but it's weird getting older i feel like especially this is something i deal with because and you probably do too i mean to an extent like 
I feel like I dress the same. Yeah. I act the same. I talk the same. Every subject of every email writes, hey, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, I feel like, and then all of a sudden, like, I'm like, I turn 34 next month. Like, yeah. How did that happen? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, no, I, it is, it is weird. Like, I wonder, I'm about to turn 38. And I wonder if when I'm in my 60s, I'll still be answering emails with just word. <laughs> <laughs> I think pro- you probably will. Probably like, will. I don't think some switch is going to flip yeah. when you hit like 40 or 50 yeah. where all of a sudden you're a different person. Develop an English accent. <laughs> I mean, maybe. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I don't I don't I don't know. It's, and it's weird. I feel like this is the first kind of generation where like that's been widespread or accepted or okay maybe i don't know what do you guys think you surely know some old hippies and they talk you know some old hippies but i feel like i feel like there's going to be such prevalence i feel like a lot of people had kids or grew up or had got like there weren't as many people in bands there weren't as many people no but i'm saying like as far as behavioral changes these old hippies that's they talk like they did when they were 18 and dropping acid and yeah yeah so no exactly that's a good point so I guess maybe that will just be a bigger... So you're doomed is what I'm saying. I just yeah. feel like I get so <laughs> bummed out when I think of like, there's going to be some weird like emo night when we're in our 70s, listening to like <laughs> yeah. Get Up Kids yeah. and talking about... Like that to me is just like, I feel like that happens now and it's sort of like, yeah. can put me in a weird place. Music is a weird and scary thing to grow old in. Yes. Like, as a business, to like, like, or as a performer like it, it's that, that's something that frightens me too like along with the the well wait do you hear us we're great like i've always been scared of that and i've also now it's more and more the weird thing of like there's so many artists that like like not even withstanding like like the output that they're putting out i mean there are people that like nick cave still puts out great stuff you know and he looks cool and he's he's just still cool but there's so many people that like Oh, you gotta have them. Man. It's gotta be a certain type of it's person like, and a certain genre. I mean, yeah, you can always go into country. Yeah, hey, man. country, country can go <laughs> grow gracefully. Yeah. Punk country, rock it's like is the golf. Really, go- country is the golf of yeah of the music business. You can do it. For it's a while. it's so hard, like punk rock and rock, and like especially like those old rocker dudes that are like getting dressed by somebody else, and they have the weird like <laughs> flared jeans with the with the the like the weird like like bleach creases you know what i'm talking about those like weird bleach creases like they're so horrible and we're like ah oh, we're gonna put like kind of a rhinestone like janet jackson rhythm nation coat on you and you're like why who highlights like you're old dude, with this. dude or like when they're like when motley crew like props mcmars up there and you're yeah. like dude this guy can't even move yeah and it's like they throw a guitar in his hand like we need the original line you know like I don't know. Maybe he loves doing that and like I'm just projecting, but some of the stuff I'm just like, man, that does not look like that. I mean, I guess that genre was very much like peacocky colors and like very like outrageous. So that's going to look sillier when you get older. But I guess like what like a lot of punk rock and rock and roll was very much like, meh, it's jeans and a t shirt and stuff. And or, you know, I mean, you look at like Social D, right? Like those guys will be able to. They're, yes, yes. They're, yeah. And they're, they're old now. They're, they're yeah. timeless they're, they've band, still got sure. some time. I just saw them, and they sounded great. But I, but I would say more like, yeah, like what you're saying. Like I remember when I was in college, I don't know if I've talked about this, but I saw Warrant play a frat party. And like they were all wearing like Atticus stuff was really popular. Yeah. And they were like 
covered a lit song because it was popular yeah, at times. Yeah. It goes out to our bros, like, and it's just like that, like struggling to be relevant. Yeah, and like yeah, that's when that it's to over. me is when like, you're struggling to be relevant. It's over. That to yeah. me is like the the saddest thing is like just like trying to like grab onto this youth thing and just like I don't where does it go? I don't know. Yeah, I want a piece of that, and you can. I mean, you can absolutely see. I mean, maybe it is a good thing that you never, I never. I think there's that the exact different problem of like, well, we plateau and we do good, and we got our people, and it's still it's still nice. But the people that really like touched the sky, you know, and t- just had a, a taste of that taste of those clouds, and then you're like, I want the clouds again. I'll do anything to eat clouds again. So like, what kids, what do you, what do I do? Right. Okay, well, sh- okay, sure, Cut I'll wear. Hair. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll flat iron my hair, and I'm 41. <laughs> Let's do that, okay? Yeah, you can't, if you're chasing, I'm a huge Keith Richards fan, and yeah. I remember reading him a thing where someone was talking about him and saying like, well, you know, Keith's biggest, his biggest idols are all like old blues guys. Yeah, yeah. He just kept playing until they were, until they dropped dead. So he doesn't even understand that it's a young man's game. Like he figures yeah. he'll just keep playing. And then he's, you know, then you have just the opposite in that band with, with Mick Jagger, who was trying to be a teenager. Yeah. His whole, still is. Trying. Yeah. But so Keith is fucking weird and crazy looking as he looks like he can still pull it off kind yeah. of because he's just really up there to play and have fun. Yeah, you can't chase. It's a young man's game. Yeah, that's the thing. It's great to do it as long as you can, and if you're having fun. But you look, you know, you get up there up on that warp tour stage. Yeah, in your 40s, and you play a great set, and everybody loves you. And then you look at the kids getting on after you, and you're like, motherfucker, these guys. We made a horrible mistake of doing warp tour in 2010. We did it in 2005, and I'm glad we did it then. But we did it in 2010, and I, you know. I I I'd never I'd never been I just don't like the outdoors so that was I just never <laughs> and I definitely never went after 2005 and we're like well it was you know it was there was a lot of stuff I didn't like in 2005 but we made like that's where we met Strike Anywhere and this band Bedouin Sound Clash and just a whole bunch of bands where it was just like it was like a crew of about you know. 40 people between all the bands and, and where we're like, ah, you know, we don't really like the rest of this and we get to hang out together. But then when we did it in 2010, it was like, this is all horrible. Like, <laughs> I mean, there was like one or two other bands that were like, oh, this, they're pretty cool and they were good dudes. But it was just like, it was it was horrible in my opinion, it, but it was more like, I realized like a little bit later, it was like, it was more like, we were just on the wrong festival. Like it's it changed to where like it's, it's not for it's not for what i play and it's not for the stuff that i listen to we might have well, as well have been on like a like a a bluegrass festival <laughs> like we would have fit in as well on like a country bluegrass festival with like old dudes and beards playing banjos like it just didn't we didn't match up with what was going on right. with like the the youth and stuff and that's it's fine it was just like i wish we would have known that ahead of time that we would have like spent our summer <laughs> mining all fishing my, yeah <laughs> i really do thing. miss the like when volcom had that stage like because that was when i started working yeah. for ap and i you know 2002 2003 yeah. and it was like you guys like places to park yeah vox like to me like that that was such a cool community and all those bands yeah. sounded so different but they were so great and i feel like none of them really got the yeah. recognition at the time yeah or I mean, ever i guess 
That's yeah, a lot of those bands. I mean, Valiant Thor is still together. Yeah, Valiant God. Thor. Uh, but I mean, like you know, like the line. Yeah. Like you know. Yeah, I you know I don't. I again like I don't know if it's like a marketing thing or uh, you know I don't, it's it's weird how some stuff just kind of hits sometimes and it's just this weird flip of like this thing is gonna be cool and I never know what it is I remember like lots of different from like I remember like somebody coming over with uh, this uh, I I had I was working at this record store and I scored some free tickets to. Uh, to something some kind of like big like metal rap core type thing and i gave them to these guys uh, these guys i worked with at, at, at i worked at this warehouse and i was like hey you guys like this stuff here's some tickets so they went and they came back and the next day they're like yeah they're handing these out in the parking lot and there were these little vhs cassettes uh but the, in, the innards were all made of like styrofoam so you could only watch them a couple times but we popped it in and it was this white rapper and it was eminem and we were just like this, and it was it wasn't my name is it was a like, this song was called I just don't give a fuck, and I remember watching it going like this is kind of funny and clever, but come on a white rapper really <laughs> we've seen the Eminem story we know what's gonna happen with this and it was just and it was I never would have thought in a million years that the world would buy another white rapper after Vanilla Ice, and. Uh, and then the same with, uh, uh, who else? Oh, White Stripes. I was like, I love, uh, I always liked White Stripes a lot, but I, I mean, the idea of this kind of like thin sounding two-piece yeah. that is just... No bass. No, no That'll bass. That'll never catch on, man. I Band really with thought, no bass? I really thought, <laughs> I thought, you know, this, I'm, when they were like headlining like rooms that were like 350, 400 people, I thought like, man, that's so crazy that they can pull that many people in right. a, a two piece, because this is like some coffee shop Denton. I mean, I was like, I was, I like the songs a lot, and I, they're definitely like something better than that. But this is, this is as big as this thing could right. possibly get. And just like, <laughs> those are two that, the, the two maybe <laughs> most famous from Detroit, both famous right. people, but like, I don't know. So it's, I, I don't know like what that switch is that suddenly makes it like, hey, this. You know this thing. We've all been listening to this thing. The world's kind of been listening to this thing. Let's do. Let's listen to something a little bit different, and you're gonna like it. It's a different, but you're gonna like it. I don't know what it is that who who controls that switch. Um, Obama, probably. Probably Obama. <laughs> well, what's cool about comedy though is it does seem like you know guys like Louis C.K. or Penn yeah. Oswald, I mean, these guys obviously have been doing it for a really yeah. long time, but you know you can get that kind of recognition later in life. Yeah, totally. But that's the thing too that I kind of worry about. Just as like, yeah, but they they were doing it for twenty years, right? Right. I'm about a year and a half in, <laughs> so that puts me at it's, it's late sixties. <laughs> That'd be great. That'd be great, and then I'll get my comeuppance world. <laughs> that's if everything went spectacularly. Someone's probably listening to this podcast in like 2058. Yeah, being like, this was Mike Weeby when he like had just started yeah. out, like the famous comedian Mike Weeby. Did you know? He was in a band when he was yeah. younger. He's so self-depreciating. Yeah, and now like, he's so huge. <laughs> plays the Luxor. What would you What would you like to give a message to people thirty years from now listening to this now who are big fans of yours? Um, it gets better. <laughs> it's better. So that's a dated better. reference. You guys don't even get that. 
in 30 years from now because because now that we have the uh the equality gene that's programmed into all of us into the barcode that's on the back of your skulls you don't even know what i'm talking about guys but if you were back here in the year 2013 that shit kills yes (laughs) yes use your brain implant to look it up I mean, can you hear the hate in my voice right now? Directed basically towards myself for not being in the room when Mike was here. I mean, we bonded. We watched Ben Weasel punch a woman. I think I think you need to love yourself, Stephen. Let it go. <laughs> By let the way, he, let, let Ben Weasel have all that have that hate directed yeah. towards himself. The way the way he described it is exactly how it went down. We were both standing at the bar, drinking way too much, and we're like, "What's going on? Someone's throwing ice." Wait, I think he just punched a. He just punched a woman. All right, so we're done with this anyway. And we just went right back to the conversation and just let everything go insane. Yeah. It was pretty funny. That is still so, so wild to me that that actually happened. so dumb. It feels like it like made up. No. Nope. There's video. Yep. It really happened. Ben Weasel punched a woman at it's, a show. It's a myth that really happened. Yeah, it's a myth that really happened. Rock how, and roll myth. How bummed is that dude on the internet and cameras? Yeah. Because I feel like otherwise it's, it's almost so absurd that you'd be like, that couldn't have happened. Like in front of all those people? Nope. Ah, what a tool bag. And, and immediately it was so funny. Um, our good friend Trevor texted me and went, wow, I feel really bad for um, Mike from the All-American Rejects who's got the screeching weasel tattoo. <laughs> Yeah, and like produced a bunch of the solo stuff. I know, but a- Mike, Mike Kennedy is the anti Ben Weasel when it comes to personality. Yeah, and and, and way more punk. We got to get Mike in here. Yeah, Mike, Mike will be in here. He came here a few months ago, but all he wanted to do was go record shopping. See, that's why we like Mike Kennedy. Yes. Uh, Mike, we'd be awesome to check out everything. Uh, if you want to check us out, you might be doing this on our wonderful website, goingofftrack.com. We received a wonderful donation recently. A lot of our donations are international, which is great. I don't know conversion rates for money, but thank you guys. Uh, it's really cool. If you uh, don't want to donate thanks for listening uh if you want to follow us on twitter at going off track hit us up on facebook if you want to send us some emails we're getting some lovely requests uh for guests someone said you need to get touche more in here i yeah, can say tried to get he tried jonah tried at, to quote jeremy at least i tried yeah it's a touche song uh <laughs> yes we love touche united nations just played with them mm-hmm. last month it was awesome and jeremy will definitely be on the podcast next time they're in town right on for sure awesome dude So uh, hear you next week.